Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids. It's my passion and my privilege to share with young moms tips and tools to make your journey easier. I love doing that. Today, we're gonna pick up the topic of life management for busy women. And we were on that last week. We're starting with managing your marriage. A Christian marriage takes hard work. It has to be nurtured. It takes commitment and daily management. Elizabeth, in her book, Life Management for Busy Women, if you didn't see last week's podcast, she gives us four words for wives. First of all, help your husband, Genesis 2.18. And that involves setting aside yourself in order to make helping your husband a priority. We need to learn to put ourselves on the back burner. That's not easy to do. Number two, follow your husband's leadership, Ephesians 5.22. You know, we might not always like it, but it's God's guideline of submitting to our husbands. It's for our good and for God's glory. It's a picture of the church. Number three, respect your husband, Ephesians 5.33. But how do we do this? Number one, kind of simple things, look at him whenever he speaks. Stop what you're doing and look at him. Never talk about him negatively. Ask him, you know, don't make all your decisions without consulting him. It's so easy to just get busy doing our own thing and never stop to say, what do you think about this? You know, ask him. Number four, love your husband, Titus 2.4. When he's sad, cheer him up. When he's noble, praise him. When he's generous, appreciate him and tell him. When he's talkative, listen to him. There are some husbands that need to talk through to clarify their thoughts. Mine is one of those. He, it's almost like he has to talk to think. And I'm more action-oriented. I'm thinking, okay, quit talking about it. Start doing it. But, you know, to really love him, you've got to show love by listening to him and helping him think through those thoughts. And then he'll go do it. We just approach things a different way. Show your love to him in ways that he appreciates it. And it might be totally different than ways that you appreciate it. And it usually is. Like I, even like cleaning your house, sometimes a husband doesn't like clutter. There might be another husband who doesn't care about clutter, but he wants the drawer neat. So be sensitive to those things. You know, what's important to him? Try to do those things as a priority. Okay, 10 goals are... Goals for a meaningful marriage. Center your life on the Lord. Don't stress if your husband isn't cultivating his spiritual life like you think he should. You cultivate yours. I had a friend once that didn't want to even train her kids spiritually because she said, it's my husband's job. He's responsible to do that. But he's working. You know, you're there during the day. The mom has a lot more time to train her kids spiritually. And don't stress if you think your husband's not cultivating his like he should. You cultivate yours. You do right. Number two, pray for him. There's a verse in Matthew 6, 21 that I love. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure like praying for somebody. Prayer changes things like a wife's heart and a marriage. When our son Josh was sick with leukemia, so many people in the church prayed for him. And our pastor told me that there was a couple who they'd never prayed together as husband and wife before. And their marriage was kind of on the rocks, but they started praying together for Josh. And then they started praying together about other things. And it totally changed their marriage. Prayer changes things. 
Then number three, know your roles, which she told us the roles. Um, help your husband, follow his leadership, respect him, and love him. That is the roles for a wife. Number four, study him. Be a student of your husband. Know his likes, his dislikes. Be aware of his moods, when he likes to talk or when he doesn't. His energy cycles. When's the best time to approach him about important life matters? When's the best time not to? What pressures is he under at work? You know, we don't want to pile on extra pressure. We don't, a lot of times talking to your husband about something important, you need to choose the right timing to have it, uh, to have him be receptive to what you're saying instead of piling on more pressure. Get him when he walks in the door and tell him all, everything that went wrong today. We don't want to do it that way. And I've told people this for years about their kids, to study their kids and learn their passions and their likes and their dislikes. But we need to do that about our husbands first because they're our first priority. Number five, serve him. And Christ is our example. You know, he came not to be served, but to serve. We live in a me first world. And I tell you what, you know, so many thoughts go through your mind that are wrong, putting yourself first, thinking about yourself first. I deserve this. I deserve a break today. I deserve a cup of coffee, you know, whatever. We live in a me-first world, but we need to make it a Christ-first world and focus on others. Number six, follow his leadership, like in Ephesians 5.23. Elizabeth in her book says she's learned that many times as a wife, she has to do what God is asking her to do, to submit to her husband so that he can work in her husband's life. She says sometimes he's wrong, but many times I've seen after the fact that my husband's direction was best. And if he's wrong and you have the right attitude toward it, that is going to speak volumes to your husband too. Number seven, make sure he's number one. Learn to place him first in our life, our heart, and our time. And that is a challenge. I can tell you that. With 14 kids, it was not easy. I struggled with this over the years. It's easier now. You know, the kids are out of the home. But just be aware of it. Try to carve out some time when you can spend just with your husband. You know, we would try to carve out, like get a babysitter when we had all littles and carve out just a little bit of time. Even though finances were tight, we'd try to go out for ice cream together or take a walk or something where you're giving them your undivided attention. And I know it's not easy, but it's important. Number eight, talk things over. Make a commitment to listen to him, to discuss problems and decisions. And as Ephesians 4.26 says, never go to bed angry. That's a recipe for disaster. There's a few don'ts. Don't be a contentious woman, like in Proverbs 19.13. Don't be a constant drip that drives one insane, Proverbs 27.15. If you've got a drippy faucet, it's like, ah, we don't want to be like that to our wives, constantly complaining or fussing at them. And then Proverbs 31, 11 and 12, don't embarrass him. You know, don't tell on him weird, funny stories or whatever in front of other people. Don't embarrass him. Number 10, try to make each day fun. Make a commitment to be cheerful. And you can do this. I committed to do that years ago. And I, I don't do it perfectly. But if you make a commitment, you will do it so much more often than if you're not aware of it. 
A cheerful heart does good like a medicine. Years ago, I had one of my sons write that verse for handwriting. We had it hung on the wall. He illustrated it. It's so true. And cheerfulness is a choice. Now I've got a new wall hanging in a room that I just redid. It says, I will choose joy in the journey that God has set before me. And that's so true. It is a choice. Cheerfulness is a choice and you can choose it. And it will not only make your life easier, it will make your whole family's life easier. You as the mom set the tone in your home. It is a choice. A complaining, crabby wife is a reflection on your husband, but it affects everybody. There's another verse, griping brings discouragement. When you're griping and complaining, you're not only discouraged, everyone in the whole house is discouraged and everybody wants to get away from you. Who wants to be around someone who's complaining and griping and just mournful or um, it, it's, it's not pleasant. You want to be cheerful. You want to set a cheerful tone in your home. And sometimes if you can't be cheerful, go into your room by yourself, get your attitude right with the Lord and then come back out and be a cheerful mom, wife. Number five, managing your children. Teach your children the word. I was not raised in a Christian home. I didn't even know Bible stories. I was saved at 16, married at 18, my first child on my 20th birthday. So I learned with my kids. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says, And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. I took that verse literally. And I asked God to show me ways that I could do this, that I could teach my kids the word throughout the day, projects, fun things to do, games, things that I could make and hang in my house. And this little book called Hands-On Character Building has hundreds of these ideas. Some are things to do, some are games to play with your kids to teach them character. Some are wall hangings to put the words on your scripture words on your wall before your kids. So if you need help with that, get this little book. We wrote it many years ago. It was one of our first ones, but it's helped a lot of people to get the word before their kids on a daily basis. Um, in that Deuteronomy 6, who is to teach? The parent. What are you to teach? God's word. How are you to teach? Diligently. When are you to teach? All day long, every day. Where are you to teach? At home, on the go, at bedtime, when you sit down, when you rise up, everywhere. So that's why I asked God to show me ways that I could do that, that I could incorporate God's word in my kids' lives, get it before their eyes, use it, so that they would be familiar with it, they would learn it, they would learn to meditate on it, and it would change the way they live their life and deal with sin in their own heart. That's the end goal for that. Train your children. On our honeymoon, we got a Bible concordance, and we were thrilled that every word in the Bible was in it. As I say, Rick got saved when he was 16. He's two years older than me. I was saved when I was 16, but we pretty much did not have Bible knowledge when we got married. We had no clue how to train our kids. So we went to the word for every problem, every character need, every sin that we saw. We taught our kids scripture according to their need. 
This book I've shown you before, you know, if your kids are struggling with anger, teasing, laziness, whining, we went to the Word to see what God's Word said about it. We, we wrote a question and we gave the kids the scripture to go to so that the kids could dig out the answer to see what the Word had to say about that sin and they could apply it to their lives. And that's not the only, we've got um, character curriculum from preschool through high school. I'll just show you one more, the words of wisdom. When I did this for my kids, I, I noticed that they were speaking in silly words or you know, just kind of junky words. So I went through to see what the Bible said about our words and I was shocked. There's so many kinds of words talked about in scripture. I'll just read you a few, acceptable words, bitter words, blasphemous words, bold words, comforting words, contentious words, corrupt words, devouring words, eating words, ensnaring words, enticing words, faithful words, few words, fitly spoken words, foolish words, fruitful words. There's so many references to words. So I went through, I looked them up, and I, I gave the kids a verse to look up. And then they wrote down an insight learned from that verse, and then they were to write a personalized prayer to the Lord to help implement that in their lives so that they would use that kind of words. And if you can train your kids to watch their words, to tame their tongue, and we'll do another podcast just on the tongue, but if you can teach your kids to use right words and wise words and fitly spoken words, they're going to be way ahead in life. And... They need to learn that in your home instead of having to learn it the hard way when they're adults out on their own. So that is so important to teach your kids. Love your children, Titus 2.4. Nurture your love for them. Tell them that you love them. Spend time with them. Pray with them. Read to them. Teach them to love the Lord. Teach them the Word. Spend time in the Word together. You can't just throw it in at, the, at five minutes at the end of a busy day and have it stick. You need to bathe your kids in the Word of God from the time they're little, from the time they're infants. It needs to be a priority in their life. And you as the parent, that's why God gives kids parents, so that you can teach them the Word and guide them in the Word. Prize your children. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. You know, your children don't belong to you. They belong to the Lord. They're loaned to us for a short time. Teach them the character of God. Teach them what character is. Character is just the characteristics of Jesus Christ. This study here is 45 character qualities with simple definitions of what they mean. Like contentment, realizing that God has given me all I need for my present happiness. Compassion, being willing to expend effort to help alleviate the suffering of those in need. Obedience, doing what I am told, cheerfully, immediately, and thoroughly. Again, I would look up verses about that, have the kids answer short questions, and then there are application ifs to help them apply it. For instance, mom needs water brought from the neighbor's house. It's hot and sticky inside and the babies are fussy. Mom is expecting another baby. What should you do? You were getting your braces off today. The orthodontist tells you it will be three more months. What should you do? Teach them the quality of endurance. You know, it's application. It's teaching them what the word says, and then it's taking them by the hand and helping them apply it to situations they face today in everyday life. 
and that's what it's all about. Um, disciplines for mothering. First of all, center your life on the Lord. You need to model godly character by teaching it to them and learning it together. I learned it with them. I did not know any of this when I started having kids, so I learned it with them. It's powerful learning when your kids see you learning how to apply God's word to your life. So don't feel like, I'm way behind, I don't know this, I can't teach it to them. Learn it with them. Pray for and with your children. Nightly, when my kids were little, I would go in and pray with them at bedtime. And we'd talk about struggles they had during the day and things they did right and little victories that they achieved. It's a time when their hearts are very soft and tender at bedtime. So pray with them, pray for them. Let them hear you mention their name to God in prayer. It does something to their heart to hear you mention them in prayer. And it also helps them to internalize that God sees them. God sees what they did today. God saw how they did a good job cleaning up the table. Or God saw when they were mean and pushed their little brother's blocks over. God sees us. There's another verse, thou God seest me. Our kids need to know that. And this is one good way to help them learn that. But also just to communicate that you love them, to snuggle with them if they're snugglers, to pray about their concerns. Number four, be there. Put other pursuits on the back burner and embrace this season of life. Time is short and fleeting. And I know it doesn't seem like that to you now when you've got all these littles and you're so overwhelmed with what's going on, but I can tell you, time is fleeting. Um, I've had 47 years of kids in my home, from the oldest to the youngest, when the youngest one left home. And I can tell you that time seems so short. There were days when the days seemed so long, but when I look back, the time went by so quickly. So you might think in your head, I've got lots of time to work on that character quality. I've got lots of time to let them know that I love them but you don't. You don't get back any time you've missed, and time is fleeting. So make use of that. Time is short. Life on earth is fleeting. Teach them that the word has answers for every problem they have in life. So when they go out on their own, they're not left without a guide. You know, you guide them when you're parents, but they need to know that God's word has the answers. So the first thing they're going to do when you're not there is look to the word for answers. You don't want them looking to their friends necessarily. You want them looking to God's word for guidance. Okay. One more area we're going to do, managing your home. Dedicate yourself to managing your home. Be devoted and passionate, but beware of putting your home above the hearts of your family members. The only reason that you need to have a clean home and a safe home and a functioning home is for your kids. So don't put the home above the kids and try to have a picture-perfect home and have your kids upset and not taking care of their needs in the meantime. Be a woman of prayer. You need to be aware of the basics, having food, clothing, cleanliness, safety, those things you have to. But remember what's more important. Follow a schedule. Schedules make things happen. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. I listed all the chores that needed to be done, and each year I decide who is best able to manage this chore. Is it me? Is it this child? Is it this child? And then train each child in the chores that you have for them to do. They're not going to know how to do it right unless you train them. 
and then check up on them because they're still not going to do it right unless you check up on them. Kids need to know everything that you know to be successful in life. So train them in all the chores. Rotate them so they learn how to do them all. Decide which chores are done on which days. Make priority lists of things that need to be done. Learn to be organized. Have a place for everything and everything in its place. And you grow in it. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not easy. But break overwhelming tasks into small doable chunks, whether it's yourself, if you're doing change of the season. Change of the season for a family of 16 was unbelievable. I'd have all these tubs in the attic with different ages, whether it's girl, boy. I'd get it down, see what fit who this year. But <coughs> the goal was to break it down into a manageable chunk. Do this tub and then work on the next tub. Same with your kids. If you're telling them to pick up their toys and the family room's a wreck, say, okay, guys, let's pick up all the dollhouse people. They go in this container. Put a picture of dollhouse people on it for kids that can't read yet. And then have a space on the shelf where the container goes when it's full. The same with matchboxes or Wee Waffles or Legos. You know, have a place for everything. And then show your kids that it is manageable. All right, guys, let's pick up all the Legos. Let's see who can do it the quickest. And kind of make a game out of getting it done. Be there. Make to-do lists. I live by my to-do list. You can't just tell your kids, do this, do this, clean up your room. They don't know how to clean up their room. you got to teach them how to clean up their room. And Vicki Bentley had, oh, what was the name of her? Look at a future, a previous podcast where I interviewed Vicki Bentley, and she had this home management um, chore guide for families and it was great it broke down like what is a tidy room she had all these tasks that were involved in having a tidy room so if you need help with that her resource is amazing um, really amazing you can teach your kids how to do the chores and you do need to teach them how to do the chores you can even learn yourself from her guide decide to do well you know, whatsoever we do, we need to do for the glory of God. And that means managing our home, taking care of our children. Talk to other women who love taking care of their homes. Ask them for organizational help and tips. There's a lot of little tips out there, cleaning tips and things. Whatever it takes, determine to make your home a heaven on earth for your family. And you can do that. You have the power to do that. Or you can make it a place where your kids are just waiting for the day when they're old enough to get out of there and never return. You don't want that. You want to make your home a heaven on earth. So talk to others. You know, some women love to cook and they've got cooking tips. Some love to clean. They've got cleaning tips. Learn from others to make your job easier and make your kids' job easier and make your home a heaven on earth. Okay, I hope this has helped. We're going to stop here. We're going to finish this topic next week. We're going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about ministry and managing our time and lives. So thank you for joining me today. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.